It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. So is everything going to get back to normal soon? How many actually still believe that? Don't hold your breath. Or, on second thought, given what's happening in our skies, maybe you should. Maybe we all should. Consider this headline from this week. From NewsGallop.com. Americans are less optimistic about the next generation's future. Less optimistic? That's it? Here's the brutal truth. If the human race doesn't completely alter its current trajectory, there'll be no future generations. I know that's incredibly difficult to even begin to accept. But as each day passes, it will become more evident. This next headline from this week is core to the unfolding global ecological collapse on which everything else depends, including our collective futures. The time for geoengineering is now. Drastic climate change calls for drastic measures. That new headline is from foreignaffairs.com. For the record, we don't face climate change. We face an abrupt climate collapse. Global climate intervention operations have been deployed and constantly expanding for over 75 years. These covert programs are a core factor in the biosphere collapse equation that we now collectively face. And though all forms of environmentally destructive human activity are a part of the problem, climate engineering operations are the greatest threat of all. Now consider this science study title, Geopolitical Ecology of Solar Geoengineering from a Logic of Militarism. Here's an excerpt from the abstract of the study. Solar geoengineering technologies intend to slow climate change by injecting sulfate aerosols into the atmosphere. The study states solar geoengineering programs are gaining traction in key climate policy. Solar geoengineering is considered, quote, fast, cheap, and imperfect in that, the study states, it could rapidly reduce planetary temperatures, but with potentially catastrophic consequences for the climate, weather, and biodiversity. Here's an update. After over 75 years of deployment, have geoengineering operations cooled the planet overall? No. Have the catastrophic consequences happened? Yes. And for our new listeners, I sometimes forget to explain what we're talking about. If they don't know what geoengineering is or climate engineering, you know those long, lingering, expanding trails you see in our skies that are emitted out of jet aircraft on some days but not on other days? That's geoengineering, and that's not condensation. It's a sprayed particulate trail. And no, I'm not speculating on this. We have up-close film footage of these aircraft at altitude, nozzles visible, turning on and off, lab tests from all over the world, taken of precipitation that reveal climate engineering elements raining down through the atmosphere. Everything the so-called climate science community describes as geoengineering, climate engineering, solar radiation management, stratospheric aerosol injection, everything they say we should see in the skies when this is deployed someday has long since been there. But they tell us we're not really seeing what we're seeing. Let's continue on with this theme. From the Harvard University Philosophy Department, this... Ethics and solar geoengineering. So much being considered for climate engineering operations that, again, we're officially told aren't actually occurring in our skies. Right. 
The following audio soundbite is from Harvard scientist Dr. David Keith, the world's most recognized climate engineer. Listen closely. So this problem is absolutely soluble. This geoengineering idea in its simplest form is basically the following. You could put um, fine particles, say sulfuric acid particles, sulfates, into the upper atmosphere, the stratosphere, where they'd reflect away sunlight and cool the planet. And I know for certain that that will work. Not that there aren't side effects, but I know for certain that it will work. And the reason is it's been done. Well, there you have it. Dr. David Keith knows for certain geoengineering will work. And pay no attention to the catastrophic consequences. A list of consequences far too long to address at the moment, but a list that includes climate chaos and the contamination of the entire planet, including every breath we take. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News. This is Dane Wigington, your host. This is the end of the world as we know it broadcast, commercial-free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. Let's press on with more breaking reports. While so many are, by design, fully focused on the scripted political theater of mass distraction and division, the controllers are moving their chess pieces. The clock is perilously close to striking midnight. Last week, the current occupant of the White House stated, quote, Our best days are ahead of us. He further said, We are the United States of America. There is nothing we can't do. What does he mean? Exactly. Nothing we can't do. Global climate engineering operations? Is that an example? Or waging nuclear warfare? Could that be another example? And how are these two dire subjects connected? How long have the controllers, with their puppets in the White House, been orchestrating the climate to maintain their stranglehold of hegemonic power by trying to mask the true damage being done to the climate with geoengineering operations while paradoxically at the same time worsening that damage with every single operation they carry out. Here's another short clip from the world's most recognized geoengineer, again, Dr. David Keith. This topic is also old. That report that landed in President Johnson's desk when I was two years old, 1965, that report, in fact, which had all the modern climate science, the only thing they talked about doing was geoengineering. It didn't even talk about cutting emissions, which is an incredible shift in our thinking about this problem. I'm not saying we shouldn't cut emissions. We should. But it, it made exactly this point. So in a sense, there's not much new. The one new thing is this essay. So I should say, I guess, that since the time of... of of that original President Johnson report and the various reports of the U.S. National Academy 1977, 1982, 1990, people always talked about this idea, not as something that was foolproof, but as an idea to think about. But when climate became politically um, a hot topic, if I may make the pun, in, in the last 15 years, this became so un-PC, we couldn't talk about it. It just sunk below the surface. We weren't allowed to speak about it. Not allowed to talk about geoengineering operations. And even to this day, not allowed to admit these operations are ongoing. Consider that the U.S. President's report from 1965 that Dr. Keith mentioned focused on geoengineering the climate in order to maintain the ongoing paradigm of industrialized, militarized society, a paradigm that has now pushed us all to the brink of near-term planetary omnicide, not somewhere over the horizon. It's actually kicking in the front door now. And all the while... With all the historical documentation of climate engineering operations, with all the film footage of atmospheric spraying operations going on in our skies all over the world, going back many decades, with all the lab testing from all over the world, 
that conclusively confirms highly toxic climate engineering elements are wreaking havoc on the entire biosphere and contaminating every breath we take. Climate engineering cover-up actors like Dr. David Keith continue with their efforts to convince populations that climate engineering is only a proposal. It is my humble opinion that the part of Dr. David Keith, the party is playing, along with his climate engineering colleagues, is nothing short of criminal. For the record, the National Weather Service and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration employees, a.k.a. the nation's weather personnel, are also not allowed to speak about what's actually going on in our skies. In their case, the illegal federal gag order is certainly a factor. If populations around the world could be awakened to the reality of the climate engineering operations, awakened to the fact that all of us have been subjected to a grand and lethal experiment without our knowledge or consent, we could alter the equation. We could make a quantum leap in the right direction. We could cause a shockwave around the world. We could still make a difference. Let's keep going. From multiple sources, scientists warn and report that climate change has pushed Earth to, quote, code red. From that report, world scientists warning of climate emergency 2022. Yes, collapse is here. It's unfolding now. Let's listen to what the former director of the CIA has to say about geoengineering. And though some that have now thankfully joined this battle may have heard what the former head of the CIA had to say, but many have not yet heard his words. Here's John Brennan, former CIA director, and while listening, ask yourself, why is the director of the CIA tangled up in climate engineering technologies? I'll let the listener decide. Here it is. Another example is the array of technologies, often referred to collectively as geoengineering, that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI. A method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat in much the same way that volcanic eruptions do. An SAI program could limit global temperature increases, reducing some risks associated with higher temperatures and providing the world economy additional time to transition from fossil fuels. This process is also relatively inexpensive. The National Research Council estimates that a fully deployed SAI program would cost about $10 billion yearly. As promising as it may be, moving forward on SAI would also raise a number of challenges for our government and for the international community. On the technical side, greenhouse gas emission reductions would still have to accompany SAI to address other climate change effects, such as ocean acidification, because SAI alone would not remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. On the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Others might seize on SAI's benefits and back away from their commitment to carbon dioxide reductions. And as with other breakthrough technologies, global norms and standards are lacking to guide the deployment and implementation of SAI. Yes, SAI operations, stratospheric aerosol injection that's really taking place generally in the upper troposphere. And that's the jet aircraft you see spraying particle dispersions across our skies, and it's not condensation. Again, please search the jet spraying section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to see film footage proof that these are sprayed dispersions. 
how many are still trying to convince themselves that the crime syndicate masquerading as our government would never deploy climate engineering operations without our knowledge or consent? Trying to convince themselves that the controllers would never do this to serve their own agendas and objectives. What an incredibly naive notion. Of course they would. Of course they have. And of course they will continue to. Unless or until citizens of the world stand together to fully expose and halt the insanity in our skies. For a decade and a half, geoengineeringwatch.org has desperately tried to sound the alarm that once biosphere collapse became all but impossible to hide, global controllers would become more desperate and dangerous than ever before. And that time is now. How desperate are power structures? A reminder of this headline from earlier this month. Newsweek.com tech and science section asked this question. Would nuclear war solve climate change? Question mark. Again, I ask, are the global controllers insane enough to go down this road? Short answer, yes. The combination of forest incinerations and climate engineering jet aircraft dispersions all over the globe has still fallen short of the total atmospheric particulate loading that the weather makers are trying to achieve. Will they play the nuclear winter card next? What aren't we being told about the whole Ukraine scenario? Why is much of the military equipment we see so old? News footage reveals tanks and rocket launch vehicles that are vintage 1960, 50-year-old hardware that at times is lined up on open roads like sitting ducks, so to speak, and yet no major offensive against them occurs. Why not? Are they part of the script? What are the real objectives and agendas on both sides? Could there actually be behind-the-scenes coordination, a cooperation between all sides? There's absolutely no denying the behind-the-scenes colluding of global powers in regard to climate engineering operations and that other major issue of the last two years. Is behind-the-scenes push toward potentially orchestrated nuclear conflict actually going on? A planned attempt to trigger a nuclear winter scenario as a final climate engineering option. Before continuing with headlines, this footnote that fits into the entire equation we just covered. How do wildfires serve the geoengineers? Search wildfires serve geoengineering agenda. One of our most important short video reports. Consider that the planet's failing life support systems can no longer support the weight of the human race. The unrelenting assault against the entire web of life with climate engineering operations at the top of the list so far. Let's connect more puzzle pieces. This headline last week from Fox News. U.S. accelerates plan to deploy upgraded nukes to Europe. Next, this report, also from last week, Politico.com. U.S. speeds up plans to store upgraded nukes in Europe. And now let's add this new headline. Russian defense minister calls counterparts to warn of coming false flag. That's from news.antiwar.com. Would a dirty bomb provide the premise for Western powers to launch a nuclear exchange? You decide. Let's connect more dots, starting with this from the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. Nowhere to hide. That's the headline. Subheadline, how a nuclear war would kill you and almost everyone else, and no almost in that equation. With the damage already done to the planet, any nuclear exchange layered on top of that would certainly be the final blow 
to an already dying planet. Question, what do nuclear winter scenarios and climate intervention operations, a.k.a. weather warfare, have in common? More puzzle pieces. First, this from the Atomic Scientists Report. Scientists have investigated the long-term widespread effects of nuclear war on Earth systems. A nuclear winter could occur after a nuclear war. Could occur? How could a nuclear winter not occur after a nuclear war? The report continues, a nuclear war could potentially cause an agricultural collapse worldwide. Potentially? Could? Cause agricultural collapse? That's already here. What happens when the controllers double down on ecocide with a nuclear winter that overlaps the already catastrophic climate engineering insanity? The end of the road happens. That's our near-term destination, short of a course correction. The bulletin report then states, the most recent calculations have shown that the effects of nuclear war would be, quote, more long-lasting and worse than previously thought. Anyone notice how many breaking science reports there are that increasingly admit that everything is way worse than any of the so-called experts realized. We knew at geoengineeringwatch.org that environmental collapse has been and will be far worse than we have been told. Those in power have, of course, also known, those at the top. Now the totality of what's unfolding has become all but impossible to hide. Biosphere collapse has beat the controllers to the intersection, and now they're chasing a ball downhill at warp speed. Here's more from the Atomic Scientist Report. Nuclear war would have the potential to cause global climatic change, disrupting every form of life on Earth for decades. No, not decades. For tens of millions of years, if not forever. Here's some perspective. The most recent and most comparable mass extinction on our planet occurred 55 million years ago. That's the PETM event, the Paleocene-Eocene Thermal Maximum. The post-event equilibrium period was in the range of 10 to 20 million years. That's 10 to 20 million years for the Earth to actually recover. The current mass extinction is mathematically occurring hundreds of times faster than the PETM event, which makes it exponentially worse. Where does that put us? And it's already this bad without the probable coming nuclear exchange. The nuclear scientists then say this, The climatic effects of massive injection of aerosols into the stratosphere following a nuclear war would lead to the heating of the stratosphere, ozone layer depletion, and cooling at the surface under this cloud. Let's stop there. This scenario is a direct parallel to the stated goals and consequences of climate intervention operations. With this correction, the narrative of long-term surface cooling by an atmosphere full of toxic aerosols is a lie, just as is the case with climate engineering operations. The toxic atmospheric aerosol blanket creates short-term regional surface cooling at the cost of accelerating the overall warming of the planet. Aerosol clouds eventually trap more heat than they deflect. Again, they destroy the ozone layer, which by itself is an extinction-level scenario. Game over. Welcome to Venus Syndrome not a metaphor. Next statement from the report, confirmation of what I just said. The report states, the loss of the Earth's protective ozone layer would result in several years, they say, of extremely high ultraviolet radiation. False again. Not several years of extremely high UV radiation. 
that's already here. It's been worsening for decades. It's already at critical levels. A nuclear exchange would be the final nail in our collective coffins. More from the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. Globally, they say, the average sunlight in the UVB range would increase by 20%. That's complete nonsense. It's up several hundred percent now on certain instances. The ozone layer waxes and wanes. It's not a constant. Some days it's far worse than others. But overall, the entire planet is thinning regarding the ozone layer. They continue, high levels of UVB radiation are known to cause sunburn, photoaging, skin cancer, cataracts in humans. They also inhibit, i.e. UVB, photosynthesis reaction required for leaf expansion and growth. Like what we see right now, it's already happening and has been. This is exactly the scenario that geoengineeringwatch.org has warned was already occurring and accelerating since we first published our UV radiation readings in 2014. We have had two experts that have metered for us. The current expert is a former NASA contract engineer with state-of-the-art equipment that geoengineeringwatch.org supplied him right now today. The UVB and UVC levels are far worse than what the so-called atomic scientists say could happen, could, may, might happen after nuclear exchange. So much for the experts. Paid liars with few exceptions. Climate engineering atmospheric aerosols are decimating the ozone layer. Though the rate of destruction is slower and more insidious than a nuclear exchange, the result is the same. The extreme UV radiation damage signs are everywhere. Scorched, misshapen, and stunted trees and leaves, the Cambrian layer of many trees, a.k.a. the bark, the living layer of the tree, is scorched to the core from tip to trunk on the sun-exposed side. Extreme UV radiation is slaughtering plankton. These organisms need to photosynthesize sunlight. Thus, they must spend time in the upper layers of the water column, and now they're being fried by extreme UV levels, including UVC, a DNA-damaging spectrum of UV radiation that's hitting the surface of the planet now. Again, this reminder, Atlantic plankton populations, 90% crash today. No plankton, no people. Existential threats of this magnitude can't be hidden for much longer. Thus, the off-the-charts power structure desperation that's unfolding on every front. The Bolton of Atomic Scientists then state that after a nuclear exchange, the particles lofted into the atmosphere would, quote, reduce the amount of solar radiation making it to Earth's surface, and thus precipitation, dramatic reduction. Look up. No nuclear winter needed. So-called solar radiation management operations have been going on and expanding for over 75 years, thus the total disruption of the hydrological cycle, along with countless forms of associated weather warfare. Again, what happens when an actual nuclear winter cloud canopy is layered on top of the existing climate engineering atmospheric spraying onslaught? That conclusion is straightforward enough. It's game over. And yes, that is a tough pill to swallow. So what do we do? We decide why we're here at this most defining moment in the history of our species. We summon the courage to face the storm head on. That's the only place that true solace will ever be found. Join the battle to pull back the curtain and expose the insanity. Arm yourself with credible data from a credible source. Start spot fires of awareness in your circles and ask others to do the same. Help us 
to reach a critical mass of awareness, because then, and only then, can we have any chance of turning the tide. It can be done. Our numbers grow by the day. We're still in this fight. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 377, 377 weeks in a row without fail, October 29th. 2022. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. We've had over 42 million visitors to our site and counting. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on AM and FM stations in Florida, Texas, two stations in San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, two Colorado stations, including Denver, Portland, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Santa Cruz, Tucson, Arizona, San Bernardino, California, Washington State, Alabama, New York, two stations in the far north of California, and now in North Carolina. Geoengineering Watch wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. About sounding the alarm, if you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail-outs don't go to spam files. Those that run the social media platforms do everything they can to keep our mail-outs from reaching their destination. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities. The best way to share is by circulating the direct link to The Dimming by email, directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship When viewing our YouTube of the Dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video on YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. In regard to how we most effectively wake others to the climate engineering crisis, Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be found on our homepage. Our only goal is to provide activists what they need to move this fight forward. There's very high-quality printed materials and just-added climate engineering conversation starters are new Geoengineering Watch shirts. Scannable business cards and bumper stickers. Our printed materials go out at less than our cost. We're doing everything we can to get these materials into circulation. Every single day counts in this battle. All these materials are effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue, and that's how you plant a seed of awareness. And doing so is the first and most important leap we can make toward getting the as-of-yet uninformed to look up. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative of our time. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out as we awaken our military brothers and sisters to what they're participating in, a.k.a. their own demise. They're being told they're doing something beneficial for the planet, which couldn't be further from the truth. Final footnote, if you want to share a picture of yourself with a geoengineeringwatch.org shirt, perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, or busy street downtown, etc., please send your photo to us so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation, which is now part of our materials page. The images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm. The new geoengineeringwatch.org shirt can start the all-important conversation about what's happening in our skies. Moving on, about those highly toxic atmospheric particles creating drought, the geoengineering jet aircraft that are tainting skies all over the world. This headline from last week from Politico.com, United States of mega drought. From that report, drought has engulfed large swaths of the country, threatening parts of the nation's food and power supply, and it's getting worse. 
Reporten says more than 80% of the continental U.S. is experiencing unusually dry conditions. That's a gross understatement. Or extreme and exceptional drought. That's closer. Which is the largest proportion since the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration began keeping records. Stopping for a moment there. Everything that's happening is exactly what geoengineeringwatch.org said would happen going back a decade and a half. Our first full-page newspaper ad, Northern California newspaper, very expensive ad, laid out exactly what has taken place since that time. It couldn't not happen. If these programs were allowed to continue, they did. They were expanded still further, and so did the drought. The climate engineers have shut off the flow of precipitation to the western U.S. They let some in, and what they do let in is toxic. They typically use the moisture that's allowed in for these flash cooldowns, engineered snowstorms that do unimaginable devastation to what little bit of the forest is left. This is nothing short of weather warfare. The Politico.com article continues with this. Winter is expected to intensify and spread the dry conditions, killing crops and increasing fire risks in regions that don't usually face such dangers. That statement was directly from NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. This is the scheduled weather. Drought increasing even in winter. Welcome to climate engineering. The mega drought report then states, that could spell trouble, i.e. no rain, for electricity production in states such as California, Arizona, and Nevada, depleting water supplies needed to cool power plants and reducing the flow of hydroelectric dams on waterways like the Colorado River. Keep this in mind. Climate engineering radically reduces all three primary forms of alternative energy, solar, wind, and hydropower. It blocks the sun. It reduces overall wind flow. It's a condition now called global stilling. There are wind droughts near wind farms. And hydropower, of course, because they can shut down the flow of precipitation, which they're doing in so many parts of the globe. So why aren't the so-called environmental organizations addressing climate engineering? Good question. The report then states this, of particular concern is the Mississippi River, where record low water levels are making it hard to move cargo by barges, which is vital for transporting crude oil, corn, soybeans, and other essentials. Cut off the rain, crush crops, cripple transport, control populations, connect the dots. The report then says, the developing drought across the Mississippi Basin is also allowing salt water to enter from the Gulf of Mexico, covered this on an earlier broadcast, which could, they say, contaminate drinking water. Not could, not may, not might. Already has. And it's going to get worse. Then this, the 22-year mega drought in the West has deepened so much that it's now considered the driest in at least 1,200 years, covered that many times. Authors of a recent study in the journal Nature Climate Change found that 42% of the drought is attributable, they say, to human-caused climate change, confirming experts' worst-case prediction for the current level of global warming. Again, it's not just global warming. It's not just climate change. It's abrupt climate collapse. Climate intervention operations are at the top of the list of environmentally devastating human activities in regard to the epic droughts. Geoengineering is the core causal factor. Search the engineering drought section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn more. Am I denying anthropogenic damage to the climate or the planet as a whole? Absolutely not. I never have. 
What I'm saying is there can't be a legitimate discussion on the subject without first and foremost addressing climate engineering. That goes with any perspective. Whatever you think is happening with the climate or not, climate engineering must be addressed. So many times on this broadcast, I've tried to make clear that the climate engineers control the spigot. They control the rain, where it will fall, where it won't, how toxic the rain will be. The long-since catastrophic drought in the breadbasket state of California is now scheduled, as I just covered, to get far worse still. Some long-term power structure-controlled so-called forecasting sources are, for the moment, showing no rain for Northern California until after the first of the year. If that were to occur, that would mean in my location on the east side of Lake Shasta would have had about seven inches of rain for an entire year. That's equivalent to Death Valley. That's one-tenth of our normal precipitation. The forest can't survive on that. Now let's add the intense UV. Let's add the high-pressure heat domes created by ionosphere heaters like HARP in Alaska. Everything is dying here. Every fir tree in this forest is dying. The forest is deathly still and silent. And it is incredibly painful for me to watch this happen and know what's going on. And yet, when I see others, so many others, going about their lives as if nothing is wrong, and worse still, attempting to ridicule and marginalize those that are attempting courageously, and I salute all of you who are, to tell the truth, how can it not make one feel an incredible state of angst towards so many in our species that refuse to do their part? To those that have chosen to face such painful realities head-on, never forget, the hallmark of a healthy mind is an unyielding willingness to confront the truth, no matter how dire. Stand tall. You're on the right path. If the weathermakers follow through with this no-rain schedule, there will soon be little left to salvage of western forests and of the agricultural regions in the west. Other so-called forecasting sources have now received a different script. Some showers for Northern California seem to be scheduled for next week, but not the natural kind, the tainted climate engineering kind. More on this in a moment. But I ask, how is it possible not to feel trapped in a planetary asylum while observing the cart-filling Walmart and Costco customers that notice absolutely nothing wrong? while they push and pull their barges full of consumer goods across parking lots, laden with dead and dying trees, no birds, scorching UV radiation, temperatures that are often 20 degrees higher than normal day and night, and all under skies that are so completely crisscrossed with climate engineering spray dispersions, it looks like a science fiction scene from another planet. And so many notice exactly nothing. How many especially in the ranks of the first world societies, seem to feel no need for nature. Costco and Walmart has everything they want, at least for the moment. Nothing else, a.k.a. biosphere collapse and looming planetary omnicide, is even on their radar of awareness. What's unfolding simply doesn't fit into the sphere of perceived reality that so many are so desperately trying to maintain. So many that are already awake and aware feel caught between the hammer and the anvil, between a criminally insane power structure and a hopelessly asleep-at-the-wheel population. The equation must change or we have no chance. Am I angry 
Am I jaded? Yes. 20 years of nonstop marching in this nightmare has taken its toll. Am I going to give up? Never. And I'm eternally grateful for and to every single individual that summons the courage to fully face the insanity. And for all those marching forward in this fight, consider this as well, that every single individual that you have any part in awakening matters in and of itself in ways that we can't fully comprehend. Keep that in mind. Moving on, let's add this report this week from phys.org. I refer to that as phys.org. Lower than normal rainfall linked with a higher chance of food insecurity. Wow, yet another stunning revelation from the so-called science community. No rain, no crops, no food. How many so-called experts did it take to come to that conclusion? As mentioned earlier, last Thursday, the scheduled weather for Northern California was altered. Now, we're scheduled for some showers. If heavy climate engineering seeding operations are taking place, which appears all but certain, given the drastic temperature drops that are scheduled, the rain will come late and less, if it comes at all. Northern California weather, if you can call it weather at this point, doesn't even resemble the incoming storms of the past, storms that brought consistent high winds and pounding rain for days on end. And now, all too often, there's almost featureless skies with often very little air movement below. At the scheduled time, some drips and drizzles begin to fall. Toxic rain that in many cases doesn't rejuvenate the forest. Rather, it poisons it. Radio frequency microwave transmissions from the network of ground-based facilities are utilized to scatter the heavily seeded atmospheric moisture across the widest possible area. It broadcasts the moisture and it blows it into every direction. That's what the frequencies do, repel. This process also greatly diminishes or completely eliminates, at times, precipitation. The climate engineers sometimes scatter Pacific moisture and the often resulting rainless cloud canopy across a half a dozen western U.S. states, again, with very little precipitation occurring on the ground. Patented processes of chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding is being utilized by the climate engineers on a scale that's difficult to comprehend. The toxic endothermic elements, i.e. energy-absorbing elements being used, create a cold, dense layer of air that descends to the surface. Under many conditions, the weather makers can spray enough of these elements to turn what should have been rain into snow. This is when we have the term being used by so many so-called meteorologists, a.k.a. script readers now, that the rain will change over to snow. That's what's happening. If the surface temperatures are still on the higher end, often the chemically nucleated snow is labeled as, quote, heavy wet snow. It generally sticks to trees and everything else. It's toxic. We have tested over and over. Don't eat the snow. And I don't say that lightly. Review the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn more about chemical ice nucleation operations. But we just need to go green, right? That'll save us from ourselves. How's that going so far? Another new headline to consider. Global economy must green faster to prevent dire climate impacts. Guess what? We're about two decades too late. And the whole notion of so-called green energy is itself a lie. It's better than the outright burning of carbon fuels. 
but it is no panacea, and it's not going to save us. There are many, many downsides. There simply isn't enough planet to go around at this point, and those in power are doing their best to thin the herd. Since the global controllers are the most responsible for the very dark place we now find ourselves in, shouldn't they be the first to walk the plank? You decide. From the Washington Post, why are there so few dead bugs on my windshield these days? Question mark. That's the headline. The report says windshields bearing no evidence of insect life whatsoever. It feels like a fundamental pillar of the planet's ecology has snapped. That's because it has. The report states from 1996 to 2017, insect splatters fell by 80%. There's 10 million insect species dying off by the day. Geoengineeringwatch.org first published the 80% insect population drop statistic 10 years ago. 10. Why did it take the so-called science community so long to catch up? And now the percentage is actually higher than 80%. Search insect apocalypse and ask yourself this question. If the insects can't make it, how long do we think we're going to be here? And all the while, various versions of the completely scripted political divide, distract, and conquer insanity is pumped out from every mainstream media source and the honorless talking heads that serve them. Moving on, more bad news. This week from ChinaDialogue.net, global biodiversity is, quote, on the brink. No, not on the brink. Hurling toward the bottom of the canyon. That would be a much more accurate description. Again, this statistic. At the current rate of wildlife die-off, If that rate doesn't accelerate, and it is, we face zero hour for no functional wildlife populations on planet Earth in 2026. Let that sink in. How is it even possible that the totality of what's unfolding around us is still so invisible to so many? And about the trees, Earth has already lost almost 60% of total tree populations since the dawn of so-called civilization. For my entire life, I have revered trees. They were my protectors, my sanctuary. I would sometimes sit contentedly in their branches, their arms, for hours. At four years old, in my kindergarten class, they decided to give me a certificate for tree climbing because they couldn't get me out of the trees when recess was over. I didn't want to leave the limbs that embraced me. I felt safe. I felt at home. I began to sound the alarm on the dying of the trees almost three decades ago, long before focusing my effort and energy on the all-encompassing climate intervention insanity, which holds all life in the balance. For so long, I could only hear my own voice coming back at me. But I kept marching forward in this fight. I couldn't do otherwise. I could feel the pain of the trees, their suffering, their fate. In the late 90s, my home was in the Wallapai Mountains of northwestern Arizona. The pinyon pines there, some nearly 500 years old, were dying, and I spent much time trekking across the rugged granite ridges of the Wallapai Mountains with my pack and limb saw. I would trim the lower branches of these magnificent specimens to reduce their water demand. Drought was killing them. I didn't yet fully understand the totality of what was unfolding in the skies above, that climate engineering operations were diminishing the rain, killing my beloved friends, the ancient trees of the Wallapai Mountains. 
My work continued when I relocated to the mountains of Northern California. The great unraveling was advancing. The Hopi Indian elders stated that in the time of great change, there would be cobwebs spun in the skies. Look up and see. The time of great change is now. The assaults of insanity isn't just in our skies. This week from multiple sources, this headline, Using the Ocean to Fight Climate Change Raises Serious Environmental Justice and Technical Questions. What's this article referring to? Ocean fertilization, another form of highly toxic and destructive climate engineering. The solar radiation management operations that occur over our oceans contain elements that are conducive to ocean fertilization. Once these elements settle to the surface, the materials trigger artificial algae blooms that suck up atmospheric carbon, killing our seas in the process. Does ocean fertilization sound like a good thing? That's what the controllers intend. That's what they want. Like the term climate engineering, both terms are total deception. Every form of climate engineering is a death sentence for the planet. It's not engineering in reality. It's just disruption of all the natural systems. Of course it's doing harm. All of it. This week from MSNBC, oil companies are standing in the way of a, quote, livable future, doctors say, in a new report. About that statement, blaming everything on the oil companies, which do deserve blame because they're simply criminal entities at even higher levels run by the even bigger criminal entities of the money printers. But it's not just the oil companies. For far too long, too large a percentage of the population is desperately clinging to the matrix of planetary destruction. A percentage of the population that doesn't want the party to end, no matter what the cost to future generations that will never be if the current paradigm continues for much longer. The first and most important leap in the right direction is to expose and halt climate intervention operations, which the oil companies are absolutely neck deep in as well, trying to mask the true severity of damage to the climate so that they can continue to peddle their products. Countless other forms of highly destructive human activities must also then be addressed once climate engineering is stopped. Moving on, running out of time for this broadcast, let's cover some more headlines. It's fast becoming the season for engineered winter weather. From AccuWeather, this headline this week, widespread snow unfolds across northwest Rockies. From that report, a potent storm is set to start a big change to many in the western United States by bringing some of their first accumulating snow for the season. Slick road travel hazards are likely, they say. Yes, Chemically nucleated frozen material containing surfactants makes for very slick everything. The report continues. Here's a sample of the temperature whiplash part. In recent days, much of the northwest and northern Rockies have felt more like late summer rather than autumn. 80 degrees in cities like Bend, Oregon, Reno, Nevada. Temperatures that are more than 15 degrees to 20 degrees above normal for October. Following the warmth, the big chill has swept the area. Elsewhere... The warmth came back after record cold. This report from AccuWeather, record challenging warmth to fuel severe weather in central U.S. From that report, a major pattern shift across the western and central United States will bring a full array of impactful weather along its path, including the threat of severe thunderstorms. After record-breaking low temperatures in places like Omaha, Nebraska, early this past week, temperatures are expected to soar as much as 20 degrees above normal this weekend likely breaking heat records by Sunday. 
record cold to record high in a matter of days. This headline also this week, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Winter Outlook predicts another La Nina, been over that in previous broadcast, and this is the important part, no end to extreme drought. That was from Yahoo News, that report, by the way. And again, the climate engineers control the spigot. They will decide who bakes and burns and who floods. Welcome to weather warfare. The report says winter is coming and U.S. forecasters are predicting the extreme drought that is affecting more than half the country, actually it's 80% of the country, will continue and get worse. That's the schedule weather. Next report, same theme from CNBC. Rural California town is facing the end of its water supply by December 1st. They're talking about Coalinga. They're attempting to purchase water from the open market, but the mayor says it's priced too high. Unfortunately, that scenario is one of many that are only going to get worse. A reminder, the hallmark of climate intervention operations are drought and deluge scenarios. About the latter, the crop devastation continues in the land down under, i.e. Australia. From the UK Guardian, nature is striking back, flooding around the world from Australia to Venezuela. No, not nature. Climate engineering is involved with every single one of these events. We can see it on satellite imagery. The report states, It has been a drenched 2022 for many parts of the world, at times catastrophically so. A year of disastrous flooding perhaps reached its zenith in Pakistan, where a third of the country was inundated by heavy rainfall from June, killing more than a 1,000 people in what Antonio Gutierrez of the UN called an unprecedented natural disaster. Again, no, not natural There is no natural weather at this point. Once you disrupt the system, you disrupt the entire system. And in fact, these programs are going at full capacity all over the globe. From Climate Action Australia, this Australian farmers have no defense left against, quote, extraordinary weather events that have become all too common. From that report, politicians and the public need to think hard because of widespread rain continues. Farmers are likely to lose a large portion of an entire year's income. If crops fail or cannot get to market, That does have implications for price and food supply for Australia. Yes, another stroke of brilliance from the so-called experts. If there's no crops, the price and supply can be affected. What an educated conclusion from the climate science community. From Reuters.com, cyclone lashes Bangladesh killing nine flooding low-lying areas. Again, flooding populations, flooding crops, destroying fishing enclosures there for farmed fishing. Not that that's very good for you. One of the most toxic foods in the world. In fact, by many, farmed salmon is considered the most toxic food in the world in regard to standard staple foods. I'm sure we could find something more toxic if we tried, but the point is we've trashed our planet. In the geologic blink of an eye, if we overlaid the entire existence of the planet over a one-week period as a timeline, the human race has done what it's done to the planet in one fortieth of a second before midnight on the last day, how many are still trying to convince themselves that this kind of destruction and decimation can continue indefinitely? How many are still trying to convince themselves that someone somewhere is taking care of things, will set things right, and will tell them if there's anything really wrong? So many still think that technology is somehow going to save us. How's that going so far as we hurl toward near-term planetary omnicide? From 
Climate Action Australia, this final headline. Are climate summits a waste of time? The 27th annual UN Climate Summit is taking place in November. Will it be worth all the time and effort? Question mark. Smoke and mirrors. The gathering is to force countries to comply with climate intervention operations, either actively or passively. That's what the climate conferences are actually about. Mainstream media is systematically omitting any reporting on unfolding and accelerating ecological cataclysms all over the world, extremely near-term existential threats, and not a word is said. The different brands of mainstream media are utilized by the controllers to polarize, divide, and distract populations, and in doing so, keep the vast majority completely oblivious to the looming tidal wave of total collapse till the last possible moment. Again, a reminder of this headline I mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast. Americans less optimistic about the next generation's future. Again, I will state, if we remain in the current course, there won't be a next generation. Mathematical and statistical fact. The so-called American dream was always a delusion. The delusion of perpetual growth on a finite planet with finite resources. So-called civilizations around the world trying to be and to do the same. All pyramid schemes constructed on relentless resource extraction until there's nothing left and climate engineering going on above it all. Again, for a decade and a half, geoengineeringwatch.org has warned about what was coming, about what is now unfolding. Are we doomed? If we remain on the current course, yes. The odds are against us. At face value, we don't stand a chance. But we're still in this fight. Who will summon the courage to abandon all that doesn't matter in exchange for all that does? I believe in miracles. Is that just a chosen delusion? I think not, because my many years in the forest have brought experiences that I cannot explain, and I won't try. There is so much more to all of this, so much more than we can even begin to comprehend. We are not alone in this battle. This we must never forget. If we each man our appointed post, if we each summon the strength and determination to stand against the gathering storm of insanity, if we fully engage in the effort to sound the alarm effectively and efficiently, we can yet make a difference even at this late hour. See the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn specific details on how you can help to move this fight forward. Share credible data from a credible source. Make your voice heard. Make every day count. Stay strong. Never give up. Until next week. This is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.